0: Uh, getting ready to now shift into our uh, sixth week of going through this soul series, I hope that you 've got as much out of me sharing this with you as I have studying and honestly folks, we could have we could keep rolling for a while on the soul and a lot of this i 've only uh, every week i 'll have pages of notes and scriptures and all this stuff, and I have to cram it down and condense it in and get the highlights. And uh, we could just roll with this for a long time. But this is just so incredibly vital that we get the idea that I'm trying to, to present here in this series. And it's this first little thing. We've gone over it. This is the sixth time we've read this together. And it's God's desire is to continually grow us from the inside out. This growth is in the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions, or our soul. Remember, we say every week, you know, that when we place our faith in Christ, we are heaven ready right then. If that old trumpet was to sound and Jesus was to come back, boom, we get our glorified body, we were with him in heaven. If our our life was to end for some reason at that moment, we are heaven ready. It's not this process of earning heaven or doing all these rules and regulations to, to earn heaven. It is by faith in Christ and faith alone. We have, just, we have just nailed that down and shored that up with scripture after scripture. But there is this process that once we are heaven ready, God wants to make us of earthly good while we're still here. That we have to reflect that, uh, that living nature that is alive on the inside of us. And the Bible talks about, you know, don't have your lamp under a pot, right? You want it to be, or under a basket. You know, we sing the old little song, you know, you know put it under a basket, you know, pull it out and let my little light shine. Um, the problem is, is that our <clears throat> soul, whenever it's not in proper order, it can become this basket that conceals from the world the light and the life that is truly alive in us when we are believers in Christ, when we have been, when we had the light of God and the life of God come into us. And, you know, I wish that it was like one big, wonderful whoosh removal and there's just light shining out 360 degrees. It's just this one big motion. But I know in most people's life that I know that it's more like having this like clay pot And you like have this little drill or this little hammer. And you little poke at this. And then streams of light come out. And then you poke at this side. And little streams of light come out. And God begins to take more and more and more of us away. And allow him to be revealed more and more and more in our lives. And what we have to do is say, God, I want that. I want that. I want whatever is not of you to to diminish. And whatever is of you to increase. And that is this this growth process in our lives and it blesses our entire lives and we have hit this scripture every week third john verse two beloved in regard to all things i pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers as your soul begins to prosper you will begin to increase in every area you will be healthier as your soul prospers. You will do better off in the resources, in the, your talents, and your skills. And that pro- that prosperity is a whole life thing. It's everything. Not just money. That's part of it. But it's your whole life. It's your whole life will go up as you allow God to rejuvenate and change your soul. Your mind, what you think, your will, what you choose to pursue, and your emotions, how Things in life affect you and what comes up and wells up out of that. And we have to let God do that in our lives. And in this, today we're looking and the title of this message is Soul Warrior. Okay? We've talked about how Jesus is, the, is, the, is, our, is our anchor and we place our hope in him and that is an anchor to our soul. We've looked at all that Christ has done to redeem our soul, that it's his completed work. But now there is this part where we have to stand up and go you know what we understand that there's a battle and I am going to cast my choice and I'm gonna put my will I'm gonna put what I've got in on the side of the Spirit and we must be aware that there is a war against our souls you have to be aware of it if you are oblivious to the fact that there is an enemy out there and that as soon as he has lost the battle of your eternity he has now put all fronts on your soul why because if he keeps you jacked up there then you're of no earthly good okay and then at that point and he gets you isolated okay and he first wants us to not be of any real good then to reduce us to of little good then of no use and then actually begin to make us where our lives are destructive and all of that is when we give ground in the areas of our soul. We have to be aware of it, because if you're not aware, you're, you're, you're susceptible. It's, you're just oblivious. You're just bumbling through life. Now, um, years and years ago, my summer before uh, my senior year in high school, I go off to camp, have this incredible, awesome God moment at camp. I've shared with you all that before, and my life has just changed at the camp uh youth camp the summer before my senior year and I came home and during that process some other things changed in my life like our address and so my parents had bought a house and uh, it was a nice upgrade. upgraded more than doubled the square footage and it was it was a, it was a good house it needed some work and uh, so we moved into this moved into this house and uh, my sister had a room way back in the corner my baby sister heather and uh, in that process, she had, her room was a lot bigger. She got a new bed, and this new bed was this kind of older style bed that was lifted off the ground quite a bit. And uh, as a big brother does, I like to pick on my sisters. And uh, my mom was all in the decorating and had her room all done and had the the dust ruffle on the bed that goes to down to the ground. And and so one day, I decided that I was just going to mess with Heather. Cause even though I was, you know full grown i was about to be a senior and i was i could get under heather's bed and so while she was out of the room i got under the bed and waited and it went long till she had her books and had to get her homework done she gets on her bed and has all her stuff spread out on her bed and i just she you know shuts her door and she starts in on her homework and i waited for what felt like a half an hour it was probably five minutes you know, but when you're sitting there it just feels forever. But I was letting her get good and comfortable. in the fact that she was in that room all by herself. And so, and I just started to push on the bottom of the bed. And I just pushed just a little. And I'd just add a little more pressure until I'd hear the, everything stop. And then I would quit. And so she was like. Am I feeling something? Am I not feeling something? And then I'd wait a little bit, and then I started pushing a little more on the bottom of the bed. And I pushed up a little more and she'd stop. Now wait, and we go through this cycle about four or five times. Finally I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna eliminate all doubt. Okay? She did and I push and she stops and I keep pushing. And her bed goes up and she feels it go up. Well that freaked her out. And so as she gets on all fours on her bed and starts looking over the edge of the bed to see what was going on. Well, in that time, I had scooted my head to where it stuck out from under the bed. But the dust ruffle was over my face. And the dog was in the room. And the dog, of course, knew I was under there. He smelled me. And he came and had his head stuck under the dust ruffle right beside my head. So his body was sticking out. And my, his head was right there beside me. And she was working her way around the bed. And she looks over there and goes, Oh, bogey, it's just you. And pulls that dust ruffle back. And there's my head. And I just screamed at her. And she does this back roll off of the bed. Takes off running, slams into her closed door. Takes a step back, pulls her door open, and then hauls down into the living room where my parents were at. And it's just shaking. Well, I'm laughing so hard. I can't get out from under the bed. I get under there normal. But when your chest is heaving. You can't get out was stuck. And so finally, I calmed down enough to weasel out from under the bed. And I get in there. And Heather is just shaking. And my dad is like, what did you do to her? I was like, I was just laughing. I said, oh, I scared her so bad. And, uh. It was, I had to repent over and over and over again. Because my poor sister, you could, I'm serious, you could walk up to her. She would see you and you'd go, woo! And she would just come undone. She was so jumpy. If she didn't see you, you'd just tap her on the shoulder and she would just come undone. I mean, it just it messed with her. I, I was a bad brother. That was not nice. And, uh, but the problem was she was set up for the fact that she wasn't aware. There was something happening that she was not aware of. She had gotten comfortable, she had gotten in her routine, but yet there was this dynamic that was happening on this lower level that was (coughs) coming that had a, I was just ornery, you know, she would have said an evil intent, and I thought it was funny, and uh, this uh, not to her benefit intent, and uh, she was oblivious to it, she was unaware. And that is ultimately, had she had an awareness that maybe something was going on, it would not have played out the same way. But because she was totally unaware, then she was totally at my, at my disposal. <clears throat> See, First Peter 2 says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, folks, we have to understand that we don't belong to this world anymore when we are alive in Christ we have a new home and a new destination this is a temporary stop for us folks we you have to understand that you start making this home and you're gonna get everything jacked up okay you start feeling like this all has to be everything's built around this life in here you're gonna get everything out of whack we are strangers and aliens in this world And as that, we need to understand that to abstain from sinful desires. Now, that's not the stuff that's coming out that's being portrayed and thrown on. That's the stuff that's welling up from within. That's the soul issues. That is that mind, that will, and emotions. Those desires, those wills, those things. We've got to abstain from. We've got to put the brakes on them ourselves. Why? Because they war against our souls. They war against our souls. They mess with us or get us in a jacked up place. Even though we're heaven ready, we live like we're bound to hell. And anybody on the outside may go, mm, what is up with this person? And somebody that doesn't know the grace of Christ may even decide that we're heading straight to hell. But the, the truth is the li- life of Christ would be alive in us. But if we don't deal with this, it is, there's this war that again is against our souls. Romans 7 says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, the flesh, <clears throat> waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner of, of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. It says, I choose in the law of my mind, I'm going to be connected with God's truth. With what God says is right. Why? Because thanks be to God that through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to be aware that there is this thing playing out here. I want to read this to you in the message translation. I didn't put it on uh, in your bulletins, but we, we put it on the screen for you. It says, I truly delight in God's commands. There's a lot of us here that say that. You know what? I, I really do. I really do. I'm at that point. I used to hate to do, want to do what God wanted me to do. But now I really want it. I really do. I really do want it. See, I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in the life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Jesus set it right. And now we have to live in that rightness that he did on our behalf. And we, to do that, we have to be aware that there is this war waging against our minds, against our souls. And we have to side on behalf of what the Spirit is choosing to do. And this war happens within our own thinking. And we win soul battles as our thinking and our choosing changes to reflect the life of God that is in us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. It says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. And this is kind of reminiscent of what Peter had to say. We're strangers and aliens. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. There you go. Look at that. An argument. A, 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 a mindset. A way of looking at things. And every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. That's why we, we strive and we want to help people to know God better and to trust Him more. That we take captive every what thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is our battlefield. That is where the war is being waged and with these arguments and these pretensions and these, these thoughts and making sure that we are basing everything on the knowledge of God. And if we, if we get messed up, if we get on a totally different front then when we start waging battle in the wrong place, we are going to lose. But if we do it where we are already given the victory, we'll win. I ran across this story of this incredible, incredible golfer from years ago, a guy by the name of <coughs> Charlie Boswell. You ever heard of Charlie Boswell? Charlie Boswell um, was uh, the uh, quarterback uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide when they won... Uh, Uh, The championship way back in the the 30s or 40s, long, long time ago. He was there at Alabama. World War II took place. He was pulled in, went through the officer's uh, stuff as a captain. He was in World War II. One of his uh, men was in a tank. Tank had been disabled, and there was all sorts of craziness going on. He goes to pull the guy out. Tank explodes. And it blinds him. He's blinded for life. Charlie Boswell is blinded for life. And in a part of his rehabilitation, he just desperately wanted to do some sort of sport. He'd been athletic all his life. His muscles, his limbs, all that still worked. He just didn't have his sight. So his athletic trainer and his rehab guy kept trying to get him to do different sports. And nothing was just fitting. And he'd never swung a golf club in his life. And they said, you know what? Why don't you try golf? And so I tell you what, I went out golfing the other day. I've got both eyes, and it was ugly. And then, oh, man, I can supposedly see what you think I was a blind golfer. And, uh, but they took him out to golf and set him up. And, and you know, <clears throat> his first, he was, re- he was doubtful, he said, in his biography. And he hit it, and his first, his first hit was a 200-yard drive right down the middle. And uh, he was like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. And he begins to just devote himself to golfing. And though he cannot see the ball when he hits it, he cannot see where it goes, he doesn't just drive balls, he plays full rounds. This man ends up winning like 17 different blind golf titles. He shot an 81 blind, legit, at a golf course in Alabama. and They renamed it after him. I mean, and his caddy, the way he would putt, and, oh, this is just mind-boggling. But his caddy would take his, the, the flag out and rattle it in a cup. And the guy would sit there and, and uh, putt. Now, that's how he learned to putt. When he was on the tour, he would, they would just help line him up, and he would do it. We, I found some footage on YouTube of the guy. Would you roll this footage? We're going to see he, some of his competitions as he's winning. They got some of him driving. And uh, there it is, Charlie Boswell, hitting the golf ball. won i think it was 17 different titles there's no audio with with obviously with any of this footage and i didn't want to place any of our own and uh we've got a couple of uh videos of him putting in just a little bit and just these crazy long putts and it's just absolutely phenomenal as this guy is is blind He's blind. He can't see the ball. He can't see the cup. He can't. He is simply taking the cues from his caddy. He's got somebody he cannot see giving him direction. And he is putting all he has into fulfilling that direction. And he wins title after title after title. Look at that putt. That's just incredible. I can't make that putt. I can go out there. And I, I can't that 's just phenomenal. He got the attention of all of these different pro golfers and he, and Jack Nicholas was one of the guys that he got the attention of, and he won enough titles and won enough stuff that he began his own charity and Jack nicholas this, um, came and went to one of his benefits and wrote him a five thousand dollar check and uh, Charlie pops up and says, "You know what Jack, uh, thank you for that five thousand dollar check and um but I, you know, I hear you play a little golf, and uh, he, you know, pops up. Yeah, I've played a round or two, and uh, said I think I can beat you. And uh, everybody laughs at the the, the banquet, and uh, he says, you know what? He said I tell you what, if I beat you, you write my charity another five thousand dollar check, and if you beat me, I'll write the Boys Club, which was Jack Nicholas's favorite charity, I'll write the Boys Club a five thousand dollar check, and he's like, okay, and Boswell says. You pick the course, any course. He said, and I pick the time of day. Charlie Boswell played him in the middle of the night. Charlie Boswell won. Jack Nicholas cheerfully wrote another $5,000 check and was reported. To have said that that was the most exciting day of his life. To write that $5,000 check. And he was asked by reporters. You've won so many titles. You've won all these different things. Why is this the most exciting day of your life? He said because I finally found a man. Who doesn't let fear hold him back. That was just so inspirational to him. Charlie Boswell won. Against best in the world. Because he battled on his battlefield on his territory you know what we get over here and we try to do things in the arm of the flesh and we're going to lose but if we will walk in the spirit and we will do things in the spirit where Christ is already won for us then we will begin to see victory after victory after victory you say I'm outmatched you're outmatched if you're out of the spirit but if you're in the spirit you've already got it sealed up stay in the spirit Stay in the Spirit. The Bible says that those that walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's where we win, is in the area of the Spirit. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We submit ourselves to God. And say, God, you're right. And we cling to Him. And then these pressures these temptations, this stuff, they flee. Then we have to understand that our greatest act of worship is to allow God to transform us into His image. See Romans 12, 1 and 2. Passage scripture that just changed my life back in college. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, what, of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will when we allow god to transform our minds the way we think all of a sudden understanding what god's will for our life isn't that difficult anymore why because we're not looking at you know looking with jacked up vision we're able to see it correctly because we're looking through a renewed mind that act of worship. We have worship here. And to, and to, to sing and to, and to, to give our, our, our praise from our lips is a, is a biblical and wonderful part of worship. I love worship. I enjoy it. I have worship music on my iPod. I listen to it on a regular basis. It is just something I do on my own. This isn't the only place that I worship. This is one of my favorite places, but this isn't my only place to worship. But worship isn't just singing or or instruments worship is is that where you follow after completely well we understand that when like i can tell when my son begins to get into a new band and really follow him he begins to to sing their songs all the time he wants to wear their shirts maybe he begins to buy jeans that kind of look like what the lead singer begins to wear all of a sudden it begins to alter the way He looks, he begins to be shifted into that. I saw that in my own life when I met my wife. It was a natural place of me having adoration towards her that I began to shift the way I, who I was and the way I looked. Man, I tell you what, when she first met me, then my hair was down to my chin, buzzed up all in here. I was raggedy looking, my shorts were all messed up. And eating up in the back, had to wear like shorts under my shorts. And uh, my shirt was all ripped up and I thought I looked good. I thought I was looking pretty nice. My wife was not into grunge at the time, but somehow she was still attracted to me anyways. And uh, after I began, to, after I gave my heart to her, then pretty soon who I look like, slowly began to shift why because part of my adoration of her is that she was shifting me my hair got cut not because she told me to but because it was just it just fit all of a sudden i began to get rid of my ratty old clothes and get some better looking clothes not because she said i'm not going to be seen with you in those clothes she wasn't twisting my arm it was just part of it we see that whenever we begin to to worship something whenever we begin to put it on a high place in our lives it begins to shift you tell when a guy's got a new hobby all of a sudden he begins to wear the stuff he begins to talk the stuff Why? Because he's put that in a new place and it begins to shift him. We have to do that with God and put God on that high place. And it will naturally, it's not going to go, okay, now I need to wear God's stuff and do all this. No, it just naturally begins to flow. Let's look at the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Remember this world that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognizing what he wants from you and you'll quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out of you and develops well formed maturity in you. That is what we're wanting. And see, and when we begin to allow and get these soul winds in our lives, then they produce the eternal rewards that God desires for us to have. So look at 1 Corinthians 3. It says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that already is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We come to Christ. We place our faith in Him. That is the foundation of our life in, in God. If any man builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, or cost, uh, costly stones, or possibly wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. The day, it's, you know, is capitalized. That's the, the day of judgment. The day where we, we stand before God. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he builds, has built survives, he receives his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. But only as one escaping through the flames. Guess what? Escaping from the flames is a good thing. It is a good thing. Okay? We don't discount that. But we have the foundation of Christ as believers. And now we get to build on that with our choices. Are we going to do it with silver and gold and precious stones? That's the things that are of true long-term value. Or are we going to build it with wood, hay and stubble? Just the junk of this life. What are we going to build on it with? It's your choice. You've got the foundation once you're in Christ. What are you going to build with? But guess what? It's going to be revealed on that day. And we're not talking about trying to earn salvation. Remember, you're saved. His very life is saved, even as though it's through the flames. We're talking about this thing of, God, I valued what you gave me, and I allowed you to transform my life in those, that transformation, changed my choices, and therefore what I built on top of the foundation of life that you gave me. That is what this is about, that is what this is about. And it, we can start now. You say, oh, Brandon, I've got so much wood, hay, and straw already done. Okay, so what? It'll burn up. It'll burn up. Okay? Build with some precious stuff today. Build with some precious stuff tomorrow. Why well, keep throwing some wood, hay. Okay, well, maybe you did a little bit of gold, the rest wood, hay, and straw today. Well, guess what? Well, then there was a little gold there. Yay! That didn't burn up. Maybe the next week you've got a little more gold and precious stones and a little less wood, hay and shovel. Less is going to burn up. More is going to remain. Good. This isn't an all or nothing, folks. This is all in one fell swoop. It's not an and or. It's you build on all these materials. Maybe somebody tried to combine them. Come on, let's not get under the weight. Oh, I've got to, got to just... Throw all this other out and do all wood. You know, of course we all want to do silver, gold, and precious stone all the time. But let's just follow the flow of the Spirit. And God will begin to transform us and we'll begin to do more of that and less of the other. And our life will have more and more eternal worth. Not that we're earning eternity. We're giving that in Christ. Man, this is just... So good. The rest of these scriptures I'm going to give you all and leave with you all to read. It's it's just more of this that that holds up that scripture. What I want us to understand is that Christian maturity is about the, the life of God in us. Showing the life of God through us. And this happens as the choices that come from our mind, will, and emotions are led by the Spirit of God. That's it. it that's what this whole series is about let's let the spirit of god lead us so that we can live lives that reflect him but guess what it's from him and through him and to him are all things it's all about him all of it all of it all of it all of it so with that in mind as we close down this morning we want to make sure that everybody's at the starting game everybody